Well, good morning, guys, and welcome back. It's it, from our Skype blog. It looks like it's been just over a year since we recorded last. Holy cats. <laughs> Not to get too meta, but I got uh, transferring all of our old podcast files onto a new service, and those recordings go back all the way to 2007. <laughs> Holy <laughs> so, crap. <laughs> fuck, fuck, we're old. <laughs> Jesus. For sure. 11 anyway, years, really? <laughs> yep. Wow. So, so uh, yeah. So we're, we're back. We're back in Star Trek land, covering new-to-us series, Star Trek Discovery. And we'll, we'll probably talk more about the overall series and other behind, once we've covered more of the episodes. But today we're going to do the pilot duo episodes, episodes one and two, which aired about the same time, I believe. I think it's the Vulcan Hello and Battle of the Binary Stars are the two names. Oh, okay, yeah. If I remember correctly, that that is correct. Having just so, watched yeah. them, yep. Yep, and it's been a, been a little while since I watched them, but uh, I brushed up a little bit. I think it, maybe it's safe to just let, let's just review the episode uh, or episodes on its merit. How 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 did it work as as a pilot, and what what your hopes are for the series? We can maybe get into once we've seen more of the shows or had a chance to Rob to catch up on them. We can talk about the series more holistically if you will yeah so uh rob you just saw it um for the first time Uh, what was your what do you think of it i thought it overall i give it a thumbs up and i it felt to me like star trek um i know some people i know this is a kind of a broader sort of impression but i know there's been some complaining that it's not it doesn't feel like real Star Trek. It did to me. I it, I was especially happy to see that Nicholas Meyer was in the credits uh, as being involved because I feel like he his Star Trek sensibility is you know think about Star Trek two uh, is one of my just one of my favorites and, and uh, he I think they took some big risks um, just in terms of perhaps in terms of a of a broader audience by introducing. Uh, we have two female characters who are at the center, and they are both. They both also happen to be um, women of color, which I think um, I was really happy to see that. And I know we're going to get more white guys later, but I think it was a big risk, and it and it's some, and it was a risk that I really appreciated. Um, I thought I really liked Michelle Yeoh. I'm, it was I'm glad. I thought that was good casting. Generally, I thought they they kept the number of important characters to the, a minimum and that enabled them to give us a lot of plot. And for me, that worked uh, for the pilot. I am okay with gradually, and this, I, I understand that this is an introduction to, it, it isn't, obviously this isn't the crew that we're going to be spending the series with. It just, it wasn't, I, I kind of knew that. I kind of figured that out fairly soon. Uh, and, I do so so my overall impression I thought it was I thought the Klingons were impressive aesthetically. I liked what they were doing with the Klingons in terms of the sets and um and the makeup and costumes were you know you just have to give you have to present the Klingons in a new way. You just have to with a new series. And so that was uh that worked for me generally, although sometimes I thought they did style uh, style over functionality made me wonder like well this isn't this doesn't look like a very functional starship <laughs> you know, like it just feels like a little bit more like a 
temple or you know something it just um it, it felt um a little bit like i said just the, uh, the they went to went to town with the klingon aesthetics and they they maybe overdid it a little bit um so those those are my initial impressions the main character i felt like it was it was hard to get a kind of to get um to nail her down and i i thought they were a little bit conflicted about what it was that what sort of her driving sort of uh, characteristics the character were. of Michael, I assume. You the mean. character of Michael. Anyway, I'll I'll leave it there and let you guys and Yeah, you can... yeah. I will go ahead and barge in next. I, Rob, I I think you nailed a lot of it. I I do I do you know, it's a good point that they didn't have too much character sprawl, if you will, in this uh pilot episode, which considering, you know, how big of a a world that Star Trek can be, I think that's that's nice that that they they chose to try and be a little more economical on how many characters they tried to throw at you at once. Let's see. Since Klingons are a huge part of, well, actually the whole season, I might as well jump in with them. It I, I appreciate the fact that they they wanted to you know kind of reinvent them, uh, make them more alien, which has always been a little bit of a problem. Let's face it with with Klingons that. Going back to the original series, are easy targets, but um, to to make them seem uh, different enough from just people in costumes, and these new Klingons mostly worked for me. I sometimes th- their makeup effects and stuff just reminded me a little bit too much of that they were Lord of the Rings orcs or something. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that that the, maybe it was that weird pale color some of them had and stuff. It. You know, they, they tried to make them really icky looking, and you know, again that alien look, which I, I, in general, I have, I think is is a way to go. But that sometimes stuck out at me. But actually, my biggest problem with just the general appearance of the Klingons was the the way that they use the Klingon speech. Mm. Uh, I just I, I got really irritated after a while at how slowly they talk. Yeah, yeah, I and, had and the same reaction. It's it just like, oh, come on, get on with it. Like, you know, it, it's almost like they were in slow mo or something, it, just to get across basic <laughs> sentences. That uh, that that kind of just irritated me in general, and I I'm sure there's a justification for it because it does seem deliberate. But, and and um, it, when they were talking, it didn't seem like they were talking clearly. Like they had a mouth full of something. I don't know. It, yeah, which which it, today you know, there's no excuse for that because they overdub so much of what you see anyway. Yeah, that yeah. the actor just didn't have any. You know, it's not like they were trying to recite Shakespeare through a prosthetic or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, so. but it did kind of sound like they were all talking through dentures or something sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Or, or they were yeah, or, or they were heavily processed to sound again alien. Yeah. And so it's a deliberate that, choice. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, but but then why but if that's the case, sure, make him sound weird, but why not speed up the whole thing and you you can put the subtitles on which they did and that that's that's cool and realistic. Uh, although that actually goes back to Star Trek the Motion Picture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. When they first introduced Klingon speech, but uh, I, I like them quite a bit. I it's spot on. Everybody has praised this, but um, I also really appreciate the fact that again, two of the the biggest characters in this pilot were women of color. It's it's great. They're both really good actors. I think you know I, I've I'd seen. Um, 
I forget her name though, the one playing Michael. Um, her 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 from she's from The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Where she did she did well, but like most of the cast on that show is really badly served as far as uh, the the scripts go. So it was nice to see her do something better. Yeah, and um, so she she was very good. Um, I think they 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 get into her background with Sarek, don't they? On this. On this pilot? Yes, a lot. Okay, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying yeah. not to spoil anything, Rob, just because I know you haven't watched the rest of this uh, season. No, yet. so they they talk about so they explain basically that she was um, that she trained at the Vulcan Academy when she was young. That she yep. was a vic- I think her family was killed in a Klingon attack, um, and th- that Sarek was like a father figure to her. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Even even yeah. though she calls him Sarek. Which come on, I can't. Why <laughs> it's did some, Sarek a Vulcan? Why didn't somebody correct her when she was? Yeah, that, that, that's a oh, little bit weird. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into lots of how it fits into the rest of the canon discussion as we go. But um, I, I have mixed feelings about that as far as the, as a character goes. I, I realize you have to tie it in somehow, and well, Sarek is is fi- figures in so much of. Star Trek in general, it does. It seems like he's this weird epicenter <laughs> of so many things. Yeah, because and, and he, I mean, he he uh, does. He he's in the J.J. Abrams stuff too, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, is he so? Is he still alive in the J.J. Abrams? Oh yeah, I guess um, he must be right. Yeah. Okay, I think so. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, of course, of course, he must be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I don't. So I, I, yeah. I, just, I, I okay, yeah. it, it's cool. We all, Sarek's cool. You know, we like him and everything. But, um, of course, it's it just seemed like this thing that it's a nod to fans to canon, and it it seems like a cheap way to somehow bring in Spock at some point as a connection, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Mm. <laughs> I'll well, leave that one out there. That's especially interesting, um, given the season finale, but again, mm-hmm. won't, won't spoil oh, yeah, anything. Yeah. So anyway, I, I got in the weeds a little bit there, but again, good introduction. It almost as a pilot reminded me a bit of the way Battlestar Galactica started as, because it was almost a, a, a TV movie. With, mm-hmm. with two one-hour episodes that makes it, you know, it introduces the show, but also kind of is a bit of a self-contained story and has a break. Bef- and and then, of course, uh, Rob, as you can probably guess, the next, the third episode uh, changes gears a little bit to a new ship and everything else. Oh yeah, I mean it's a complete transformation of the characters, the main character situation. I mean it's yeah, so it that throws that, the characters like a, into a yeah. new new situation, new ship, and of course I. New captain and all that stuff, and and which kind of leads me to something I do like about how the the focal character of the show is not the captain, mm-hmm. and it it and that, that's uh you know it gets somewhat problematic in future episodes, but in general I I I like it and find it refreshing, and um, again, as long as that character is strong enough, I think it works. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as the, the the series, just I'll throw a quick thought in about it. I, I have blathered on for many years, ever since uh, the the old franchises di- you know died out with Enterprise and all that stuff, and how you know in our modern time you know times of high quality serious TV and lack of 
restraints in effects and um, censorship and other stuff that you can do on streaming services or pay TV, that Star Trek would be well served or better served by a TV format than it would be as feature films. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this mm-hmm. quite a bit. And, yeah. and yeah, so, I agree. yeah, this, this is, this is what, what I've been asking for. And given the, uh, the realities with uh, Star Trek as a commercial franchise and all the politics with CBS and all their bullshit streaming service, blah blah blah. You know, I I I think we're we're pretty much getting what we wanted on that, and so I, I, I I'm glad this is happening, just in general. Yeah. But uh, so I had a lot of hopes for this, even though I know it had a fairly troubled production history and things like that. But uh, really, uh, so far I I. Based on the two episodes, I have to say it, it launches pretty strongly, has a lot of action, things like that. So I uh, should Eric, go, go, oh, before oh, go ahead, Rob. I was just going to say my also my impression of this pilot is based on I didn't really follow the the story of the production and and that kind of deliberately because I wanted to just be able to watch mm. it with fresh eyes. And I have to say that I I mean the last pilot that I watched was Enterprise, and um, that was so terrible that I just, my expectations were really low. And so this just exceeded my expectation, and that's what made it a, a really pleasant, joyful experience for me, was that it just exceeded my expectations. Go ahead, Eric. You're Absolutely. Right. Yeah, Eric, it's, I, why don't you go through, jump in? Um, well, let me start off by saying uh, what you were talking about, the production, and um, I think Nicholas Meyer is still on the credits, but uh, he was initially much more heavily involved. I think he was actually a producer. As what was, was he? Was, did he kind of leave the show when Brian Fuller did? Uh, actually, I think he he left before Brian Fuller did. And yeah, because I, I know the showrunners changed up a bit mm, at, yeah. at some point. And um, he r- reportedly, I haven't heard anything more about it, but several months ago. Uh, he reportedly was working on a separate Star Trek project, and really, huh. who knows what that might be? But I, I'm interested to see, you know, if he is, and if so, what it is. But um, to get to the the pilot and uh, Discovery overall, let me first say that I wasn't really wild about this pilot. Uh, it interested me enough to go on to the third episode or the first production episode and I think it improved significantly uh, once you got to the discovery obviously and and uh, the crew there uh, let me also say that one thing that I realized about discovery the series is that if I were going to be able to watch it and appreciate it on any level, I had to look at it differently than I have all of the other spin-off series and and even the movies too. And what I discovered was that if I look at Discovery as a variation on a theme rather than a spin-off series, it makes it go down much easier. With the Klingons, for instance, who I initially didn't like and I found very jarring, with the exception of the speech impediments that you mentioned, John, John, um, I actually, uh, you know, I can see 
what they're trying to do there. And um, I guess in a way, the jury is still out for me with regards to them. But uh, as the series goes on, uh, your perception of them changes. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave them there for the, for the time being. And we'll, we'll obviously come back to them in later podcasts and see how our feelings about them uh, evolve as the series goes on. Um, I like the characters that they introduced. I like Michael. I like the captain. And uh, as both of you pointed out, being women of color, I think it's good that they were placed in the, the main roles. Uh, that's a very positive thing. Overall, though, the uh, one thing that I just didn't buy in as the the premise of um, this pilot is that Michael, given that she was trained at the Vulcan Academy of Science, mentored by Sarek, and um, having the... I mean, she's obviously not Vulcan, but she has much of the Vulcan stoicism and training in logic how she could seemingly so easily commit mutiny. I mean, in any kind of... I, I, I mean, even a paramilitary organization, mutiny is pretty much the most heinous crime possible. And she went from loyal Starfleet officer to mutineer in seemingly, you know, blink of an eye. And that just did not ring true for me. I mean, uh, for what we're given of this character from the very beginning, the idea that she would, because she the, the captain won't take her advice, that she would commit mutiny so quickly. Sorry, I just don't buy that. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the most problematic aspects of 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 this episode is really the um that that they had to to build this uh big redemption act yeah for her going forward and you know that that's uh, rob i'm sure you can probably speculate that that's going to <clears throat> be a big part of the rest of the season mm-hmm. as far as the oh goes. yeah absolutely and that's um dramatic it, it's good dramatic <laughs> um engineering if you will but yeah it doesn't it it doesn't gel well with um, Star Trek as we've known it. We can't even picture Kirk doing something like this, right? Not not really, and let let alone somebody that's even remotely like a Vulcan. And so that's um yeah that's tough. I I I wish I find myself wishing that they had figured out a different way to get to that end than than just seem something that as Eric pointed out is is one of the most heinous things you can do within the the um starfleet world based on how it's been built up and that uh they have to they have to do this and and yes i i get the need dramatically to do something like this you know again that this uh, conflict with the klingons has to be initiated some way but it it almost seems like uh kind of a cop-out to have her just do this yeah the um well, uh, uh, go on. I, I lost my train of thought. 
Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I agree with that too. That, that, that bothered me. I thought, what? Um, it just required a much stronger setup. You know, like if, if the purpose was to get her to this redemption plot point, which, which I think is awesome. I think, I mean, it's, it's a great different sort of plot than you're used to in Star Trek. And it, but it, it needed to be something that was more um, a decision that was had a better justification, a stronger justification. You know, like like mute, like there, remember the 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 reboot Battlestar episode where um, I think it was I think it was actually called fragging, right? Where um, Baltar Baltar winds up killing the the um, lieutenant command, lieutenant. Um, oh, when they're on the planet, when they're on yeah. the planet, yeah. and it's. It's something he just needs to do, right? I mean, and it's obviously it's morally ambiguous still, but there there needed to be something, and I, it might have required having a a more more a, a kind of a, a more troubled commanding officer, you know? Um, yeah, and you something. know, now that you mentioned that, if if it had been a matter of Michael secretly learning that the captain was a, a traitor or enemy agent or something of that nature, then that that I might have bought, depending on how they did it. But that's a completely different kind of character than she's supposed to be fundamentally, though. Right. Yeah, because yeah, there's nothing nothing in her character background... To, to lead us to that conclusion. Although, again, given events in future episodes, they could have potentially tied that to uh, another plot point. But yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. But yeah, yeah, I mean it could. So the, I think the best explanation is that she's just triggered by the Klingons. You know that she. Um, it's so traumatic for her. So they show those episodes when she's training and she gets shown those, she gets asked all those questions about the, the attack, you know, that she was and Sark's trying to get her to, to distance herself from, from her own trauma. And yeah. it, it could be that she just can't, she, once she finds out about the Vulcan, hello, she's just, you know, this is the only alternative. These people are, you know, and I think it, um, I think that's what they meant. I think the the authors, if they were defending their choice, they would have said that. You know, we, that's that was the setup, but it just wasn't enough. <laughs> like like yeah. you said, Eric. I think it's she just. I think they went for the drama. They went for they went to the extreme, um, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. They just didn't they they didn't set it up well enough. Well. Yeah. Um, I I did want to revisit a little bit uh the Klingons and one of the problems I had with them is that uh, particularly as portrayed in this pilot episode they didn't scream warrior race to me Um, it seemed to me like they should have been more savage because when you look at next gen for instance when uh, the the Klingon episodes when they're they're on Kronos and uh, like having a meeting of the uh, the high council, you know, uh, 
deadly fight could break out at any second. And, you know, they're, the, the Klingons are presented as violent and ruthless, as you would expect a warrior race to be. And the impression I got, uh, especially in the pilot, is that, you know, it just didn't seem that way to me. They were more like a race of poets, or, or like they—they they were, they were all—they were very like um, their speech patterns were very poetic. You know, it, it's yeah. like even the way they described what what was happening in the battle, uh, and and you know even the um, the translation, the, the the subtitles were presented in a very stylized way, um, mm-hmm. right? And the slow speech as well, like it 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 didn't. Yeah, I agree with you. There, there was something. There wasn't the kind of physical. I mean, they they were physically imposing, but they didn't. The way that they interacted didn't have that same kind of, like you said, undercurrent of, of violence that could could break through at any moment. I think, and it, yeah, it's obviously a different take on. You know, they they wanted to to make the Klingons different, uh, and they it was very bold strokes. You know. Hmm. Well, one of the things I liked about Michael Dorn's portrayal of Worf is that uh, he gave a definite sense that Worf was a coiled spring. You know, he was ready to launch into battle at a moment's notice, you know, immediately. And I think it's that, that you know, the uh, that very tightly controlled savagery that... Um, I think it was kind of missing. I I also had I, I agree with that, and I I also had trouble understanding what their beef was. Like they taught that we have to be Klingons. Oh, it was kind of a racial purity. It was a racial purity thing, but what yeah. was uh, driving it? Exa- like there, I thought at some points I thought, are they worried about being assimilated into the Federation and losing their identity? Or are they? But they're. But they don't really have contact with the Federation. So, like, well, what I, is their problem? <laughs> I, I, I think this goes back to the um, the Klingon character that they introduced to Kuvma, and uh-huh. this is supposed. He's supposed to be almost like a Klingon Christ figure, because you know, like you have, uh, I don't know, a dozen different Klingon houses that uh-huh. are at war, and you know, it's. Every, uh, yeah, they're and, all vying for power. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a very fractured uh, society. the The plot point that I got was that this Takuvma is trying to unite all of the different Klingon houses and thereby the Klingon race itself, and um, you know the the racial cleansing, the the move toward Klingon purity or whatever is part of that. Yeah, I kind of read it as again the way the the writers were trying to uh, make this uh, kind of an analog to uh, religious extremists using uh, using their, that those ideas uh, for political aims, right? Mm-hmm. Finding an enemy, a, com- yeah, a common yeah, like, enemy, is the way to do that. Again, like basically the people in ISIS or whoever, you know the. Would pick, pick, take your pick, you, using using extreme religion and dogma and stuff like that to uh, establish political power. Yeah, I I think it would have worked better if there had been more um, 
like if they had more see the, it's hard to have a fo- it's not impossible but it's hard to have a foil or like a you know present an enemy who's that you that you have no contact with really like it would have been right. if they were if they were sort of interacting with the federation and and sort of losing their identity that would have that would have been a better analog to what i think is driving those kinds of of racial politics today you know Oh, totally. I just think that's what they. Yeah, they were I, doing. I think. I think that. But but yeah, it makes their sense. isolation is a problem. That you you it's like what you just said. What's what's their issue? I don't understand. It, it, it or or we don't get enough. At least certainly not in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Of 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 that kind of conflict, uh, maybe chaotic one within the Klingon Empire of all these uh, these factions, and and that we don't. I mean, again. They, I think they flesh it out a little bit later, Eric, but um, it's not certainly not apparent in these opening scenes where it's it, taken in isolation. We, it's a little head scratching. Yeah, and uh, the racial cleansing or the the emphasis on Klingon purity. I don't know. I don't. I understand what you're saying, John, about uh, you know comparing it to. Uh, a uh, political militant faction like like ISIS, for instance, that is using religion as a unifying force. But I'm not sure that I. Uh, it's it, I still find it confusing, even after having watched the. Um, the whole the whole yeah the the whole first season. First season. Oh, and it, I'm not cer- certainly saying. I think it's quite muddled. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I, I'm just trying to trying to. Put a label on it, if you sure, will. Sure, sure. Um, it I, kind of related to that for me the the ethics of the Vulcan hello, and sort of what what it is that this this disagreement about how, about using force or not using force, and it, it got for me that was a muddle in the first episode too. And it it you you mentioned John that it reminded you a little bit of the Battlestar Galactica pilot. In the sense that there's this, the peace peace fails because we have an enemy who's ruthless and and is you and you know, obviously for different reasons. But we have an enemy who's bent on war, and we have the only way to fight that enemy is to use force. Right? That's kind of that was kind of the battle star, you know. And then then obviously it got more complicated later on, but this was more muddled. It was like, what are they really? The Vulcan hello, it's like, I sort of understand how that would fit into the Vulcan philosophy, but on the other hand, it strikes me as a as a kind of non-Vulcan, if you look at the original series and Spock's ethics, it strikes me as a, as a very non-Vulcan kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I, well, I had a little trouble with it, I don't know. You know, um, it's interesting that you should mention that, uh, going back to the original series, because we were talking about um, Balance of Terror as mm-hmm. to whether or not uh, we've oh, yeah. actually done a podcast for that. Um, but that's uh, uh, the perfect episode to refer to because you'll remember in their, when they're having their briefing about the situation, Spock says that if um, the, the Romulans are offshoots of the Vulcan race and they have maintained you know that ancient martial spirit mm-hmm. that weakness is something we dare not show mm. then 
you know, that fits in very, if the, the Vulcan attitude was a, about it was that, you know, these, this enemy, the Klingons, are similar to what our ancient ancestors were, and so we'd have we have to deal with them on that level. Yeah, I buy that. I mean, it's I think I can think of other examples where too in the original series where Spock is the one who's pushing the more aggressive uh, we have response. To, yeah, we have right? to remember also Spock as a character is often an outlier. Yeah, that, that's true too. Um, there. But, yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm not. I wasn't Absolutely. totally. I, I mean, it wasn't totally. Um, you know, it is also all logical. If you have an enemy who's always going to attack you, the logical response to that is to attack first. You know, I mean, that's that's not a. You know, yeah. that's not an emotional. Um, so I, I, I think I'm okay with it. I just it. It's sort of sort of what the disagreement was about. I think is what was yeah. a little bit. Um, muddled for me, like who? It was more of a disagreement about tactics, sort of, I guess, than it well, was about and, philosophy. You know what I mean? And, and one of the things that um, now occurs to me is when Michael is having her her conversation with holographic Sarek. Obviously, he knows her very well, and his attempted to help her deal with her trauma from her childhood. Given that, his familiarity with her and so on, given that, why would he tell her something like that, knowing he had to have known what the likely outcome would be, how she would react to knowing how the Vulcans dealt with the Klingons? And it seems to me that as intelligent and wise as Sarek is, that he would not tell her that, being able to predict, you know, this, I tell her this, and it could end very badly. Yeah, that's it's really, that's a very thoughtful observation like i i hadn't dug that deeply into to what sarek's motivations would be and it's kind of yeah i mean it, it it's this sarek seems like every sarek is a little different like and it's this one is a little more you see him in this parental role which is kind of strange because his the way that mark leonard played him there was much more emotional distance than than the way this this actor is playing him and so that kind of that complicates it a little bit too. I think I don't know, but I it's I don't know. You, you you could interpret it both ways because it could also have been that you know he, he knew how the Vulcans dealt with the Klingons successfully, and that that sooner or later, preferably sooner, actually, the Federation humans would have to adopt the same tactics in order to not be defeated. <clears throat> so, um, before we run out of time, let's uh, talk briefly about the, the look of the show, the 
um, uniforms, the ships, the tech, all that stuff. What did you guys think of that? Well, the the tech does not jibe with um, uh, what we know of, of classic Trek. I mean, their technology is clearly far more advanced than what we saw in the original series. Again, for me, this goes down to variations on a theme, like I was talking about. I did, I did think that they uh, did a nice job, uh, like the... Uh, I like the design of the phasers because it's it's retro, but it's I mean you can see the design lineage, but the subtle differences are um, believable. They're interesting. Yeah, I agree um, with that. The uh, the uniforms I, I don't know what the hell they were doing, but okay, whatever. Because aside from the insignia, the arrowhead insignia. Um, there is no connection to any Starfleet uniform that we've seen in any of the series or movies. I mean, they had, the, but they had the unitard style of the next gen, right? No, Isn't that, not it's really. A, it's yeah. a, it's a top and oh, okay, pants. Wait, isn't isn't that right, John? I don't, I don't. Yeah, think it's I, I think so. Um, and and, and as far as the 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 tech and stuff i've kind of just resigned myself to that every time they do one of these it's going to look more slick than any previous <laughs> yeah one no matter when it occurs in the timeline so i think that's you just have to let that go yeah and just, i mean we, we, we'll get into some other parts of the tech when they're introduced okay if you know what i mean yeah. eric yeah. oh yeah because that that does get more problematic but one of the things that is a sidetrack which we should maybe talk about doing an episode on but i did watch uh seth mcfarland's the orville oh mm-hmm. yeah yes um I'd, rob have you seen it no do you is that something that you could put on oh it's on hulu you know what i think yep. we actually might even have hulu i i'll check okay, it, okay. It, it the whole the whole season's on hulu and that's where i watched it so yeah um, well go so ahead you can see it there um but anyway i the, the one thing that i noticed that just reminded me of this is that in that show it's not a spoiler at all but I noticed they don't have transporters. Yeah. In oh, yeah. the Orville. It's all done with shuttles, um, which is, seems like a deliberate choice. So, uh, McFarlane is obviously a, a huge Star Trek fan mm-hmm. because this is basically a homage to Next Gen Trek. And it, it's interesting. I think we probably have fun discussing it. I I overall enjoyed it. And, and that's coming from somebody who is not always a fan of McFarlane's humor. Yeah. So, um, um, I, I I liked it a lot. I think it had some strong things in it, and it it's definitely a, a super interesting alternative to to Discovery. Well, and I appreciate it on that level. Uh, the main problem, and like you said, we can discuss this in more depth. The main problem I've had with the Orville is that to me they have not struck a good balance between Seth MacFarlane's brand of sophomoric humor and serious science fiction. Yeah, I, I think it often uh, doesn't balance it correctly, but uh, let's think maybe, Rob, if you have time to watch the season, I think it's a dozen episodes or so, uh, let's think about maybe doing one review podcast of the whole thing. Yeah, I, I would like to do that. Um, let me... So 
since before we sign off, let me um, unless yep. unless we have anything further to say about the pilot. I mean, we can always I think we can always circle back and, and mention things from the pilot. I, I again. think we'll we'll definitely have lots to talk about. And yeah, but go ahead, um, final thoughts. Rec- well, I, I was going to say I, I was going to make a recommendation of another show, um, which I find interesting. Think uh, there's a, there are a lot of things about it that annoy me, but I it's it's interesting and and pretty serious science fiction. It's uh, called. Um, Altered Carbon. It's oh, I, yeah, I saw that on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Okay, uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and well, I I mean, I won't I won't spoil the premise for you, but it's um, it's really a detective sort of noir detective series set in in the far future Earth. Um, but it's pretty clever, uh, and, and I, I've been enjoying it. Um, so. Cool. It's worth checking out. Oh, and I, Rob, you might—I don't know if you've heard—but the Expanse is coming back in a few. Weeks. Oh yeah, you know I—I I still haven't finished the last season. I'm oh, way season behind. Two. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, you should. Definitely and Westworld's coming back too, which I'm excited. Yeah, about. that's right. Oh, scary. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, oh. I gotta jump, but go ahead. So yeah, we'll we'll come back with episode three soon. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. Bye, thanks, guys. <laughs>